listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. Thank you for joining us wherever you are on planet Earth or in the USA. I want to uh, give you facts, documentation regarding this ongoing secret agenda, this master plan, if you will, by the globalist elite and proponents of the New World Order like uh, Henry Kissinger and Bill Gates. You know, I've been following Henry Kissinger and writing about him for decades because he is he has been uh, one of the top leaders globally to bring about this new world order. And uh, I've written about him in, in numerous books and articles and so on. And what a lot of people don't know is, you know, the, the, the people who don't think, and those are people that uh, a lot of other people are now calling the the non-thinking part of the population, they're being referred to as normies. And being a normie is a put-down because it means you're like psychologically addicted to uh, whatever the new normal is. And no matter how absurd or crazy or outrageous or disgusting the new normal may be, and in addition to that, the new normal may be totally unscientific, totally irrational. And in all practical purposes, the new normal may be the equivalent of being committed to some kind of high security mental hospital in a straitjacket, because it is your mind would have to be totally gone to believe the stuff that they're feeding the American public and the global public. So the normies were at a tipping point. Um, because the crescendo, because the noise of the momentum of the uh, elite and, and words about their secret agenda are leaking out into the consciousness of the American public and around the world, it's creating a tipping point sociologically, which simply means that it used to be. When I first started writing these books and doing this research, that was many years ago. And, uh, you know, I was called all kinds of names. Christians especially would call me names. They, they, they had to hesitate because I had my ducks in a row. I also made sure that I had uh, the personal endorsement and backing of uh, the major Christian leaders in the world. Unfortunately, many of those leaders, the ones that really believe the Bible, have gone on to be with the Lord. But uh, I was attacked constantly by secular and Christian people. And, and the, the usual dismissive word was that he's a conspiracy theorist. Well, the problem with that is the game has changed. And millions and millions of people who used to point the finger, perhaps, at people like you and me and call us conspiracy theorists, well, guess what? Those people have now switched side, sides. Those people have uh, gotten enough information they're, they're beginning to see through the fog of the, of the actual conspiracy of the COVID mRNA vaccine. They're, they're smelling the fact that this is all a ruse, this is all a con, uh, in order for the elite to uh, radically reduce the world's population. Why, why are they suddenly becoming enlightened? Because their friends, their husbands, their wives, their children, people they know, music stars, football stars, you know, everywhere you look, there's an unusual percentage of people mysteriously dying 
and dropping dead in the prime of their lives. I'm talking about, you know, airline pilots, male airline pilots of commercial airlines who are supposedly in top shape. And there's a very disturbing percentage of them that have dropped dead, either flying or, uh, you know, before they were going to fly or after they were going to fly. And uh, that's, that's waking people up. The, the famous football players and soccer, soccer players and basketball players and on and on and on that have, who are in perfect health have no medical problems. And out of, out of the middle of nowhere, they drop dead on the playing field. This is all galvanizing together and, and creating the momentum of a tipping point. So now, in really hip circles, it's no longer cool to point the finger at people like you and me and say we're conspiracy theorists because many of those people, well, guess what? They've joined us. They finally realize that, yeah, there is a conspiracy going on. And they are questioning the official narrative. Now, not all of them that, that are questioning the, the, the official narrative, many of them don't have the freedom to come right out and say it publicly over the media, because if they did, um, they would lose their jobs, they would be fired from their positions. And you may say, rightfully so, well, maybe, maybe they need to do that anyway. Well, a momentum is occurring, and less and less people on a percentage level are, are buying this normie narrative, and they're starting to smell uh, something very foul, very wicked, very evil is going on in our world, in our nation. Now, none of this should be a surprise to most of you, and some of you. Certainly isn't a surprise to me. I was reading, researching, and writing about it decades ago. Let me, let me read you from this article, give you an idea of what I'm talking about. In an article by Dr. Rudolf Hansel entitled, in, in Global Research, entitled, Henry Kissinger and Bill Gates, The Secret Agenda of the So-Called Elite and the COVID mRNA Vaccine, Reducing World Population. So the thesis of this uh, researcher, and it's the thesis of many, many researchers, is that the real hidden agenda behind the vaccination, the vaccine, the vax, the hidden agenda behind the uh, connection, the secret connection between 5G and, in the future, 6G cell towers, the hidden connection that some scientists and engineers are and scientists are alleging is that the 5G technology activates uh, the bots uh, and the and the uh, technology that has been embedded into people's bodies, brains, and bloodstream when they get the vax. So, but the real agenda uh, behind it all is to reduce the world's population, to cull the herd. And this is something, and you say, okay, well, you know, prove it. It's very easy to prove it because the documentation is literally everywhere. If you look, you have to look, but if you look, it's everywhere. So, for example, Henry Kissinger, one of the key architects of the New World Order, and he was like the, the right-hand man 
uh, for Rockefeller. He would fly all over the world. He had monstrous power. And he, he uh, played a key role in the planning and the implementation and the formulation of what is known as the depopulation agenda. And uh, he was one of the primary architects of, of the depopulation agenda. So uh, he is, or was, I don't even know if he's alive anymore. I should have looked it up. I thought I heard that he died, but he may not have. He was quite old if he did die. Uh, I'm not certain of that. He was active up until relatively recently, so maybe he's still alive. I don't know. In any case, the agenda is still moving forward at high speed. And so um, the game plan um, of the elite, the secret hidden agenda and game plan of the elite is they want to reduce the population, which is another way of saying depopulation, by the following. They want to institute a mandatory mass protective vaccination. So it will be illegal. If you do not take the vaccine, you will be in violation of the law all over the world. And, and, and the, the propaganda words they use to disguise what they're really doing is they call it a mass protective vaccination. And uh, the pathogenic or even deadly composite of this vaccine, which will also contain nanochips to control humanity. Now, let's just stop there for a second. Many people have alleged, many, that the vax contains nanobot technology. Some people call this nanobot technology, they refer to it as off-world technology. I, I would prefer the term uh, other dimension technology. When you hear somebody talking about the vax, and then you hear people discuss, scientists and doctors and researchers, when they discuss what's in the vax, they, they talk about the reality that the vax contains all kinds of uh, elements and substances that, that are of non-human origin. They're non-human, and not only are they non-human, the, the internal composition of the vax is contained by things that are not only non-human, but they, they, are, they don't belong to this world. They have never been seen in this world before. And so people refer to it as off-world technology. And, and what that is, is a coded reference to their belief that the bots and this off-world technology are in reality evidence of technologies that have an extraterrestrial origin, and therefore they're off-planet. They have come from another world. Now, that is not as far-fetched as it seems. However, 
I personally don't believe that aliens from another world uh, are the source of this off-world technology. And that's why I would prefer to use the term other dimension technology. I believe that there is highly advanced futuristic and science fiction-like technologies being used in all kinds of things, including the ingredients, if you will, of the vax. But I believe that if, quote, high, high intelligence beings are involved in giving this technology to mankind, they would have to be fallen angels and demons. And, and the reason for that is that when we look at the history of mankind, we see uh, a long-term historical record that goes back to ancient Babylon, it goes back to ancient Egypt, it goes back to ancient Chaldea, it goes back to many super-civilizations, and it goes back to Mount Hermon, where 200 fallen angels descended upon Mount Hermon, mated with human women to produce the hybrid species of the uh, Rephium and the Nephilim, which, which contain the hybrid DNA or mixture of human-female DNA with fallen angel DNA. But in addition to that, these fallen angels, also known as the Enochian angels, because they're, they're reported in the Book of Enoch, these fallen angels, on a regular basis and, and on regular cycles throughout human history, gave to mankind highly advanced futuristic and scientific technologies and sciences and physics and advanced mathematics, etc., etc. So, fallen angels have for thousands of years uh, given mankind the knowledge and given mankind this highly advanced technology and sciences. So, based on the biblical record and based on the biblical examples of this happening throughout human history, I don't think it's a stretch to think about a potential possibility, and that potential possibility is that this other dimensional technology, which some people refer to as off-world technology, is that it came from the fallen angels, and uh, because the fallen angels have a track record of giving man advanced scientific knowledge, advanced technology, so on and so forth. And now to compound the possibility of that, all we have to do is realize that the globalist elite, they themselves claim to be the genetic descendants of the Illuminati bloodline families, which means that they themselves claim to be both genetically part human and genetically part fallen angel DNA. So since they have pledged to serve Lucifer and Satan, and because they claim to be genetically uh, part of a satanic-human hybrid race, it's not that big of a stretch to, to consider the possibility that they may be behind or they may be in partnership with the globalist elite and helping the globalist elite by supplying them with advanced futuristic knowledge and advanced futuristic technology. Okay, so um, the nanochips composed of either off 
world technology or the nanochips composed of other dimensional technology are embedded via the vax into the human body for the deep secret purpose to control humanity on a mass level. And this secret technology, this secret nanochip technology, uh, is being manufactured secretly all across the world in secret, top-secret laboratories all across the world. And so, what the, and the globalist elite are financing it. They're behind it. So, what this means, in the most simple terms, is that this vax is empowering or facilitating uh, death, mass death events like the active euthanasia of the elderly and the euthanasia of our fellow citizens and um, now of babies and, and people in their prime. And this creates global chaos. And remember, they thrive in an environment of global chaos. That's why their occult slogan is order out of chaos. So they, they are very invested in creating super chaos on a planetary level. And this allows them, when they create global chaos, it allows them to implement, for example, a mandatory worldwide redistribution of wealth, which always goes from the bottom to the top, or put more simply, the redistribution of wealth always goes from the lower class, the middle class, and it's always siphoned up to the super globalist rich. Always. They, they use the chaos as a mechanism to steal wealth from the lower class and the middle class. So, we are dealing with not the mythology of a global satanic cabal. We are dealing with the reality of a global satanic cabal that will stop at nothing to accomplish their satanic goal of a total global takeover and the implementation of a total global dictatorship, preparing the world for the arrival of the Antichrist and the false prophet, along with the technology the Bible predicted, which is known as the Mark of the Beast 666. But that Mark of the Beast 666 could very easily turn out to be nanochip technology. given the concepts given to mankind by the fallen angels and demons, because they're working together. Now, don't think it's so strange. If you really study history, and I, I talk about this and more, for example, in my book, uh, The Greatest Battle and Power from on High, I talk about it in detail, and I expose the historical fact that men like uh, Sir John D., men like Sir Francis Bacon, both of them were two of the highest level scientists uh, of their day and highest level thinkers of their day. And they were the primary advisors to the British Empire and the Queen of England. 
And even though Sir Francis Bacon was the founder of the scientific method, and he was most known for being a scientist, Sir Francis Bacon, like Sir John Dee, they were both secretly very high-level occultists. And they studied and learned how to communicate linguistically with fallen angels by learning uh, to understand the Enochian fallen angel language, and then they taught themselves how to speak the Enochian fallen angel language. And so, in terms of contacting an other dimensional race, the fallen angels, Sir John Dee and Sir Francis Bacon uh, sought from the Enochian angels advanced futuristic knowledge on technology and history and globalism and economics and all kinds of things. And these demonic Enochian angels, at the request of Sir Francis Bacon and Sir John Dee, they communicated to John Dee and uh, Sir Francis Bacon in the Enochian angelic language, and they instructed Dee and uh, Bacon, they instructed them to advise the Queen of England, advise the British Empire, to begin at first a stealth invasion, and then a spiritual invasion, and then an occult invasion, and finally a military invasion of different areas of the world. But the key area that the Enochian angels instructed Sir Francis Bacon and Sir John Dee uh, to, to counsel the Queen of England and the British Empire, the Enochian angels requested and directed that the Queen of England and the British Empire prioritize the invasion on multiple levels of the United States of America. And so they began the secret invasion and the secret takeover of America. Um, so people say, well, how can that be? I mean, we won the Revolutionary War. Well, on one level, it's true. We didn't win the Revolutionary War in 1776. But remember, 1776 was also the year that the Illuminati was founded. The former name, or the prior name of the Illuminati, was the Rosicrucian Society. The head of the Rosicrucian Society, a secret occult society, the head of the Rosicrucian Society was Sir Francis Bacon. And, and what Sir Francis Bacon did, under the guidance of the Enochian Angels, is he sent all kinds of massive sailing ships from Europe, from Britain and other ports in Europe, he sent them uh, with with passengers that looked like and dressed like and acted like they were, you know, pilgrims and Puritans. Because at this time period, before and after the uh, American Revolutionary War, actually beginning in the 1600s, um, the pilgrims and Puritans were escaping Great Britain. Uh, and renting these giant sailing ships that were packed with pilgrims and Puritans, and they were sailing to uh, you know, to America, where they established colonies, and they spread uh, biblical Christianity. Now, what Bacon did under the, the, the deceptive guidance of the Enochian demonic angels is he, is he blended in 
other ships that looked like pilgrim ships in with the, the, the ships that the pilgrims and Puritans were sailing in. The difference was is that the passengers of these counterfeit pilgrim ships were sequently not the biblical Christians that they claimed to be. They acted in many ways like Christians, but on a deeper level, they were worshipers of Lucifer. They were deeply involved with secret societies like the Rosicrucians, the Illuminati, the Masons, the Freemasons, and so on and so forth. So what you had was all these pilgrim and Puritan colonies uh, springing up in America, but then uh, weaved into the pilgrim and Puritan colonies, there were all these, and some of them were very famous colonies, all these colonies that were in reality occultic, counterfeit Christian colonies, where they worshipped the New World Order, the Illuminati, and uh, occult, occult practices. And we are still today in America and around the world, we are still engaged in the all-out spiritual warfare between Christ and Satan that, that manifested in America in the 1600s when the Pilgrims and Puritans were infiltrated by uh, agents of the Illuminati, the Rosicrucians, the occult, and so on and so forth. Now, the critical thing is that the same Enochian angels that descended upon uh, Mount Hermon and gave highly advanced technology, highly advanced sciences to mankind and mated with human women, producing the hybrid race of the Nephilim and Rephium. These fallen angels have intersected with human beings for thousands of thousands of years and given mankind advanced technology and sciences. So in our time, they are continuing to download into the minds and hands of those that are serving Satan. They're downloading all kinds of highly advanced scientific, biological, genetic, technological information that is highly futuristic and scientific. And Christians really need to step up their game and, and take a lightning speed jump into the future in terms of with their perception, their intelligence, and their consciousness. And they need to wake up to the fact that these are not delusionary conspiracy theories, but their perception, both Christian and non-Christian, there is a huge number of people that are metaphysically stuck in the quicksand of occult delusion. And the more they struggle to get out, the quicker they're sucked into the vortex of the quicksand, where they will perish. So that spiritual battle is going on right now in America. And if you think for one moment that the highly advanced technologies of 5G and then 6G and all the EMF frequencies and the way the VAX operates and the genetic modification being proposed by the transhumanists, etc., if you think that's all just you know, science as usual, you're crazy. You're blind. You're deaf, dumb, and blind to the reality, to the reality of a multi-dimensional reality that we really exist in. And you're deaf, dumb, and blind to the reality that we live in, one way or another, in a giant matrix-like world. I'm not saying it's a matrix. 
but I'm saying it's a matrix-like world created by Lucifer, the fallen angels, and Satan. And Jesus Christ is coming again to establish not an illusory world, not a matrix world. Jesus Christ is coming again as the King of kings and the Lord of lords to establish uh, the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. And he's also coming back to earth to establish the 1,000-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ on earth. So we are moving into the dimension of a global paradigm shift. And this is a shift that is not just going to benefit the demons and the followers of the Antichrist and the Luciferian elite. This is a paradigm shift which will shake and rock the foundations of all the temporary worldly institutions under the temporary control of Satan. And as the control sectors of this uh, temporary world system are shaken because of the signs of the times and because of what is outlined in the book of Revelation, this is going to present a divine opportunity for God's people in the form of a a series of divine open doors that God is going to place before us. And if we learn how to discern those doors, if we learn how to be faithful in the management of those doors, those doorways that God is putting in the earth are, are trying to be stolen by Satan's people, but those doorways represent doorways of knowledge, godly knowledge, doorways of godly wealth, doorways of godly rulership, doorways of godly power that God has been waiting thousands of years to pour out on the earth for the sake and the covenantal promises that he made towards his people. And we need to pursue the Lord, and we need to understand a fundamental principle in rulership of the world and rulership of the universe. The first thing that we have to acquire in the kingdom of God is we have to acquire salvation by faith and ask God to cleanse us of our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. Then we come become brand new creatures in Christ Jesus. The second thing we need to acquire by faith is we need to invite Christ into our hearts, our inner man or our inner woman, which allows the Spirit of God to come inside of us make us a brand new creature in Christ Jesus, and where we become born again. And when we're born again, we become eternal beings, and we can enter the kingdom of heaven. And we, when we're born again, we receive the gift of eternal life. So, the critical factor is that after we're born again, and the Spirit of God takes up residence within us, Remember what Jesus said to his disciples and followers before they went out to fulfill the Great Commission, before they went out to win souls to Jesus Christ, to make disciples of all nations, to perform miracles like healing the sick, etc. Before we're ready to ignite a biblical revival, we need to first do what Jesus told us to do. We have to go to Jerusalem and wait upon the Lord, and tarry in Jerusalem until the Father, God the Father, 
clothes us with power from on high, which is the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do anything. The American church has been impotent largely because it has attempted to carry out the Great Commission in its own finite strength and power. But we're called by Jesus in this hour to seek the face of God, to call out to God, to cry out to God, and ask God to clothe us with power from on high, which is the dunamis, dynamite, explosive power of God. When believers are filled and clothed with the power of God, the dunamis, dynamite power of God, or power from on high, when believers receive by faith power from on high, then at that moment, they go through a radical spiritual transformation. At that moment, they are supercharged by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's there's a dynamite-like explosion of the force of the Holy Spirit that occurs in their inner man and their inner woman. And now, and only now, they are spiritually prepared. Only now are they loaded for bear. Only now are they ready to rock and roll in the Spirit and move forward in supernatural boldness under the explosive power of God and the anointing of God. And now that they move forward in boldness, not relying on their finite human strength, but opening themselves up through worship and faith to a continual infusion of the power of God, now they're ready to go into nation after nation, city after city, family after family, life after life, community after community. Now they're ready because they're filled with the power of God. Now they're ready to conquer the demons. They're ready to conquer the fallen angels. They're ready to preach the gospel with signs and wonders. They're ready to minister under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And now, now, in the last days, as it was predicted, as it was prophesied thousands of years ago, this last day's outpouring is about to manifest in the lives of the remnant church and in the lives of the true church and in the lives of Christians who are repenting of their sins, who are seeking the face of God, and are not coming before the throne room of God in a posture of unbelief, which produces death. They're coming boldly to the throne of grace, washed in the blood, to find an ever-present help in time of need. And you know, and I know, that we are desperately in this time of need. And we will be part of this last day's revival, this last day's generation, that are infused with power from on high. And we will rock the kingdoms of this world. And the earmark of this great move of God will not be self-righteousness. It will not be carnality. It will not be apostasy. The earmark of this great move of God will be simultaneously both sound biblical doctrine, rightly dividing the word, and simultaneously we will be filled to overflowing with power from on high. And God will be able to move through us, and many people will come into the kingdom of God miraculously, and many people will experience 
salvation and the cleansing of their sins by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, now we will not be on the run. We will not be in the defeat modality. No, that time period is over. Now, we will be using, by faith, the spiritual authority that Jesus Christ has given us to use, spiritual authority that comes from the fact and the reality that Jesus Christ alone is King of kings and Lord of lords. And Jesus Christ has passed that supernatural authority to us and has commanded us to do the greater works in the name of Jesus. And the key that opens the door is the fact that we are doing these things by relying on the supernatural kingdom authority that Jesus Christ has given us as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we are on the threshold of the greatest soul harvest in the history of the world. And it is going to be so transcendent of what people think that it is, it's going to blow away the cobwebs in, in, in the musty, dusty places of people's minds. Okay, we're going to be back in just a minute. I write about these things sequentially in my book, Power from One High, in my book, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, and my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, and Conquering the Matrix, and the other books, all heavily discounted for you right now. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. We'll be back in just a moment. You are listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. So I believe the Bible teaches us that we're on a prophesied great move of God in the last days. Let me just give you some bullet point warnings. There are many people rightfully concerned about the proliferation of counterfeit revivals, false prophets, false doctrines, false revivals. They're rightfully concerned about those things because those things exist and they have been growing for quite some time. So let me address that for a moment. Spiritual deception, according to the Bible, is going to increase in the last days. There will be uh, people saying that they're the Christ. There will be counterfeit Christs and counterfeit apostles, counterfeit miracles, counterfeit signs and wonders, spiritual deception, apostasy, or the great falling away from biblical faith, the great falling away by people who call themselves believers, but they get swept into false doctrine in the last days. So counterfeit revivals, demonic deceptions of all kinds, are going to grow and increase in the last days. That's true. I've written many books on that. In fact, I think every book I've written, I devote time to talking about and warning about counterfeit revivals, apostasy, false doctrine, and so on and so forth. Yet having said that, that is not the complete picture. And this is where we are responsible to rightly divide the Word. In other words, if we study the Word of God and we come up with a, a vision or a picture of what it's going to be like in the last days, and we come away with a sincere but somewhat erroneous conclusion that the last days will be totally dominated by things like false Christs and false prophets and false doctrine and the great apostasy 
and and angels come, wolves disguised as angels, uh, uh, satanic delusion, apostasy, deception. And all we do is focus in on that, and all we do is report that, and all we do is warn about that, all by the way which is necessary. So hear me clearly. Warning about false doctrine and false prophets is absolutely necessary. Now hear what I'm saying, because we're talking about precision, rightly dividing the Word of God. So that has to continue. The warnings, the exposing of false doctrine, false prophets, etc., has to continue because it's going to grow in the last days. And why it's going to grow in the last days? Because the demonic armies of Satan are setting up the world system for the rising up of the Antichrist, along with the one world religion, which is false, and the one world economic system, which will be a microchip implant or a microchip bot implant or something like that. The Antichrist will be in charge of those two things, the one world economic system and the mark of the beast 666 technology. And then the Antichrist uh, is the embodiment of Satan, and he, he is the ultimate function of spiritual deception. He will claim to be Jesus Christ. He will claim to be God, but he's a liar. He will set himself up to be worshipped in the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. He will sit on the throne designated for Jesus Christ, and lying, he will claim to be God, and he will demand that the people of planet Earth worship him, the, the uh, Antichrist, as God, as he sits on the throne room of God, as a counterfeit Christ in the last days. So all the increase in demonic activity that we see, all the apostasy, all the false teaching, all the false prophets, all the false signs and wonders, all the rest of the spiritual deception, the reason it's ramping up is because Satan is sending out his demonic armies to mobilize the people of earth to get them ready to accept what is now called the Great Reset, or was formerly called the New World Order. Now, let's, let's just go back. I've been talking about the New World Order in great detail for over 40 years, and I have been attacked, I've been insulted I've been, by pastors, for crying out loud, at pastors' conferences. I, I remember ministering. When I minister, I'm not bragging, I minister under the power of the Holy Spirit because I don't stand up in the podium before I have spent hours and hours privately by myself in intercessory prayer. So before I go minister and, and talk out of my hat, I'm praying on the, the jet, uh, not my private jet, the commercial jet where I, where I buy a seat. I'm praying uh, on, on the car drive to LAX. I'm praying in the days before that. I'm praying in the middle of the night. Why? Because I believe in that old-fashioned expression that Christians used to use. You don't hear it very much anymore. I want to make sure that Paul McGuire is prayed up and on fire with the Holy Spirit, and his mind is renewed by the Word of God, and that God has implanted in Paul McGuire's heart a burning message right from biblical truth, not just something that I made up. And so I want to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit and using the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So this happens to me all the time. I speak the truth, I get attacked by non-believers to a lesser degree, and then I get attacked by Christians inevitably. And what is my crime? My crime is I'm preaching the truth. 
And when you preach the truth, guess what happens in the invisible realm? It begins to shake, rattle, and roll. You shake up. You don't even realize it. You're not trying to be obnoxious. You're using your politeness. You're using your people skills, your social skills. Come on. You've had to learn those skills. I've had to learn those skills, and I use them in the ministry. I'm polite. I, I try to walk in humility. But I can be doing all those things, and I'll still be attacked by preachers, by Christians, all over the place. I was ministering at this one large, supposedly, on-fire Christian conference. And I had only started to speak for two or three minutes at most. And everybody knew who I was because they had heard me on the radio. Um, The pastor had been promoting the fact that I was coming to speak at the conference. So because of that promotion, my credentials were, were, you know, promoted and stuff. So people knew who I was and they knew that I was illegitimate. So four minutes into my message, and I'm not even saying anything controversial. I'm just speaking the truth in love. I see the female worship leader who, I guess in her mind, she was a rising star in worship leaders. I don't know. I'm not trying to put her down. But I see her, and and she's got her arms folded, and she's kind of scowling at me in skepticism. That happens to me all the time, by the way. And uh, I ignore it, you know, because I'm here to do what God has told me to do. I'm not here to, to tickle people's ears. So I continue to minister. And just because I'm anointed, and just because I'm speaking the truth, like I said, the spiritual atmosphere, it begins to shake, rattle, and roll. So the next thing I know, she turns around, because she's sitting in one of the front rows, the worship leader. After giving me a glaring stare, she turns around and gives this very prominent stare of disapproval and giant question marks to the pastor, which is communicating very clearly, are you sure this guy is right with the Lord? You know, sowing doubt in the audience as to the validity of my ministry, just because she was getting convicted by the Holy Spirit. And I couldn't figure out, I'm I'm saying to myself, uh, I really haven't said anything that's all that controversial. What is bothering her? What was bothering her was the raw move of the Holy Spirit. And I guess I wasn't acting in the cookie-cutter fashion that she expected. So she's looking at the pastor, but, but, but she's doing it in such a way that she's causing a stirring of commotion, distracting people, because now they're wondering, well, you know. Well, the pastor, I see his reaction to her, and he, through kind of sign language, is telling her to cool it. He's trying to communicate to her, hey, I invited him here. Be patient. This guy is okay. You know, the Lord told me to, to invite him to minister to the conference. So just, you know, he was kind of trying to tell her, take a deep breath and relax. This is God's man. And, uh, you know, she, she to her credit at this point, she, she submitted herself to the pastor. But she was re- will, willing to train wreck my message because it didn't fit into the prearranged style or whatever that was. I don't know what it was that she had. But this happens to me a lot. I get blowback especially from Christians. Now, it turns out that a revival broke out every night and day of this uh, uh, prophecy conference. I mean, revival broke out like crazy. By God's grace, my messages were anointed. People got saved, healed, and delivered. And then 
there was a large contingent of uh, a cult of an occult demonic cult that had snuck into the conference and mixed themselves among the Christian uh, conference goers, and many of the people in this this cult were demon possessed. I find out later. Now, now think about her attack towards me, and then think about how the devil works. I'm being attacked because the devil knows what's coming next, and he's using this Christian female worship leader to attack me, because he's trying to weaken me and weaken my influence so he can strike. I didn't know that at that moment. But ironically, at the close of that evening, I gave a word to everybody at the conference that came from the Spirit of God, because I didn't know about it intellectually, and the word was that there were people who had come into the conference and you know who you are, you have infiltrated the conference, and you're here for the purpose of disruption, of creating chaos, and you're trying to harm uh, the ministry and the work of God that is happening at this conference. And then I looked around at all the attendees of the conference, and it's like when I looked at certain people's eyes and countenance, the Lord gave me the gift of discernment, and I could actually see, for the most part, who among them uh, were part of this cult. Now, that's pretty risky to say all that stuff in, in a word of knowledge, okay? That's not the kind of thing that normally gets you invited back. Well, God vindicated me. It was either that night or the following night. I think it was that night. I don't remember. Um, all hell broke loose in the conference. The cult exposed themselves, and they like made a rush on on on, on the ministry and the, and the Christian conference goers. And at this point, I'm up in my hotel room resting because I'm preaching and ministering and laying hands on people. You know, like a total of like let's say six hours a day or more. So I'm trying to rest in my room. I get a call in my hotel room telling me I need to come down to the conference room in the hotel as soon as possible. Something's happening. So I get down there as fast as I can. Remember, this thing is being aired across the nation on television. And um, this girl who, who was part of this cult, she's, she's growling and groaning, which is a common manifestation of somebody who's demon-possessed. So she's writhing on the floor, growling and groaning and making these demonic-sounding noises loudly. So she's disrupting the conference. The pastor's assistants can't get her to stop, so they called me on the phone. I get down there, and I see that this woman, young woman, she looked like she was like 21 years old, and she was part of this cult, and she was lying uh, on her back, so like, I guess, prostrate on her back or lying full out on her back, growling and groaning, but she had positioned her body as she laid out on the ground. She had positioned her body right at the beginning of where the platform was so that she could be sure to dominate uh, what was being sent out through video and television. She wanted to ca catch the eyes of the TV cameras. So I gently, and, and bowing my head, not disrupting the other speaker, I um, gently walked over to her, and an assistant of the pastor uh, accompanied me. And as I began to pray, um, 
as soon as I got near her, she violently, with a jerking moment, a jerking movement, she violently uh, raised her hand outstretched and gives me the television cameras and the audience, uh, mainly Christians, going to a prophecy conference. She gives all of us the middle finger, and she continues to hold up the middle finger defiantly, and even more so, and groans and contorts when I just, you know, gently suggest that, you know, we'd like to pray for you, and we were going to just gently walk with her over to the back and pray for her. So this went on. She was sucking up all the attention. This went on for a little while. Eventually, as people were praying, Christians were praying like crazy in the audience, eventually we began to pray for her, and we brought her out of, we brought her from the center of the conference where the TV cameras were and where the platform was, and then we brought her to the very side and back of the auditorium, a large auditorium, where me and this assistant pastor or youth pastor, we began to pray for this 21-year-old girl. And, and and we didn't have to ask, was there a demon inside her? She had multiple demons in her. She was groaning and screaming and shrieking, which she was also doing in front of the cameras. And she's using every—I know this isn't like sanitary Christianity, but this is Jesus-type Christianity. So she's groaning and moaning and using just about every curse word and foul and obscene expression under the sun. But we keep at it. And I guess we prayed an intercessory prayer. Uh, laying our hands on her, yes, in appropriate places only, and commanding the demons to leave because we were waging war. And it became apparent very quickly that we were not casting out one demon. It was obvious that there were a huge number of demons inside of her. We were casting out a legion of demons of all kinds. And then the cult members, you know, snuck towards the back and I didn't know they were the cult members because they all sat in chairs facing the platform as if they were listening to the speaker and participating in the conference, when in reality, they just cleverly positioned their prayer, their chairs. So all I could see was not their faces. All I could see was the back of their chairs and their backs. And I didn't notice at that time, because I was so involved with trying to deliver this girl, that they were all part of the cult and they were listening in. And they were only a few feet away from us as we're trying to cast the demons out of her, while they're at the same time pretending to be looking at what's going on in the conference. So we must have prayed for, I'm going to estimate, somewhere between two to three hours. And we're praying. And <clears throat> then the guy, I had never prayed this way, but I went along with it because the guy who was the youth pastor began to pray in this direction, and my spirit bore witness. So as we're praying for her, he begins to cast out the, the demons by name uh, that apparently are possessing her. And it gets pretty graphic. And I'm, I'm giving you just one word. He was casting out the demon of bestiality. And that's just the beginning of a list of probably, I don't know, 25, 20 spirits that he named out loud. And then as we began to pray against these spirits, she would jerk and contort, but, but it was like after a certain time of waging war in the spirit, these, these evil spirits by name, when he named them, they would leave her or they would lessen their grip on her. Now, she began to get weary, which sometimes happens when people are being delivered from demons. 
we were in the flesh getting weary, but we weren't going to give up. We were sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, after about an hour of intensive prayer and him naming the demons and we casting them out, she began to, to change. And at first I thought she was going back to mocking us because initially, even during the intercession, the, the deliverance time, she was mocking us constantly. And I thought, oh, she's back to mocking us. And But no, I listened carefully to what she was saying. She was looking in our eyes, and she was literally shouting at us. This demon-possessed girl was shouting at us, but it really wasn't shouting. She was pleading with us from the bottom of her heart with, with, with every ounce of energy in us. She was in, in her. She was imploring us. She's going, please, please, don't stop. Don't stop. And she said it far louder than that. Don't stop, she was saying. He, and then she said to us, as we're praying for her, for deliverance, she begins to say to us, don't stop, don't stop. And then she, she would go into, keep praying, keep praying. And then she took over the responsibility for her repentance. And as she shook us and grabbed our, us by the collar, she said, keep praying. Because what was happening is, or the, the demons were leaving her, and the Spirit of God awakened in her a remembrance of the fact of who she was before she was demon-possessed. And now, all of a sudden, in every fiber of her being, she's crying out to us to, 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 go, to, to stay the course and to keep praying, because she wanted total deliverance of every single demon in her, and she wanted nothing less than total deliverance. And so she was imploring us with everything in her, keep praying. And then she began to name the sins. And then I realized that she began to name these foul sins. It was a long list that my prayer partner's uh, commanding of spirits with names of those sins was right on. Because when she began to repent of those sins and name those sins, they were the same sins that represented the demons we were casting out. And she was specifically renouncing uh, the names of these demons, like bestiality and even worse, okay? Uh, uh, she was renouncing that them by name. She must have had deep in her soul, somewhere in her life, probably her childhood, she had been exposed to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. She had been around, I'm guessing, a Christian mother or something, because deep inside her, there was truth of, of Jesus and the Bible. She, she had some buried knowledge of how the power of God worked, and, and by interceding for her, we, we broke open that buried knowledge of the, guy, of the Bible. So then, after about another hour, and she's vocalizing and repenting out loud and naming these, you know, so this wouldn't have flown in most churches, I can tell you right now. She was naming the names of the sins she was involved in, and she was renouncing the demons and renouncing all kinds of occult, satanic worship and activity, uh, participating with demons and doing other things with demons, which I'm not going to mention to you right now. And so about after a total of two hours or whatever, she begins to calm down, and it's like her countenance changed. And then we begin to notice this dark oppression has left her. This demonic oppression is no longer uh, keeping her chained. She's set free. She's cleansed. And she become, her facial features transform. You see a purity and a gentleness and a holiness and a beauty pouring out of her. And it's obvious by looking at the radical change in her countenance that she has been radically transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And no, we weren't crazy for going for the jugular against the demons and praying a prayer of deliverance and casting the many demons out of her. Now, there's a lot, lot more to the story that you can read about in Power from on High. There's a lot more. I mean, you, you won't believe what happened. It has to do with satanic, demonic, military, Satanist cult, I and mean, all kinds of things. In any case, so you can see here, when you're trying to do God's will, when you're walking in the way of the Lord, is it strange that three minutes into my message at the beginning of the evening, I receive a, a blast of, of spiritual attack, oh, in the form of accusation. Uh, this worship leader yielding herself to the, the voice of the accuser is trying to accuse me of being an illegitimate uh, minister, and fortunately her pastor shut her down. But she's the worship leader, you know, that, that is aspiring to be famous and stuff. This happens all the time. Well, by the time all the days of the conference ended, and many people were delivered from demons, and God moved in, in, in miraculous and powerful, powerful ways, I didn't have to defend myself. God vindicated me. So I'm only telling you that to tell you that when you go into spiritual warfare, you need to have the full armor of God on. And remember, the more truth you're going to tell, the more you speak the truth, the more you make yourself a vessel of God's power and deliverance and evangelism or whatever, the more you're going to receive blowback. That shouldn't scare you off. Just know ahead of time, the more intentional you are for Jesus, the more you're going to get a counterattack. And so the way you win, the way you're victorious is, like any good soldier, you expect an attack or a counterattack to your attack. So when it comes, listen to me carefully, this is the key to victory. When the counterattack comes at you, or when the attack comes at you, don't be surprised. The devil would not be attacking you if you weren't doing the will of God. If you're doing the will of God, yeah, you're going to get attacked. If you're basically being religious and not doing anything real for God, the devil will promote you. He'll puff you up. He'll, he'll make it all easy street. So we are fighting the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world. The, the whole saga of that intense spiritual battle and others, there are stories I could tell that I cannot tell over the air. I can't even tell uh, at a conference or whatever. You know why? Because the, the level of spiritual warfare ended up going into realms that were so high and realms of demonic control and activity and witchcraft and all kinds of stuff that at levels that are highly operational in this physical earth realm. And if I was, and in all of these, the Holy Spirit gave me advanced knowledge. In all of these, the Holy Spirit gave me a heads up and a warning. In all of these, the Lord opened up the gifts of the Holy Spirit to give me supernatural spiritual warfare, military intelligence about how to win battles and how to win over things that could potentially have ended things. I can't come out and tell you, okay? Because if I was to come out and tell you, I run the risk of potentially compromising my position on many levels. You understand what I'm saying? So just understand that I am only telling you one little level. 
There are things that I've had to deal with that are beyond things that you would see in a horror movie. They're beyond, they're beyond, I guarantee you that, that they're beyond anything that you would conceive. And yet they're real. If I actually named the physical names of people that were involved in this level of spiritual warfare, if I was to tell you who they are, you, many of them, if not all of them, are household names on one level or another. And they're not household names because they were good. They were household names because they were evil. But God sent, if I did not have power from on high, listen to me, I, I'm trying to pass this on to you. If I did not have power from on high, if I was not clothed with power from on high, if I had not spent years uh, submitting to Jesus as Lord, if I had not spent years allowing the Lord to train me and prepare me, if I had not spent years submitting to God and learning the disciplines of spiritual warfare through people like Jack Hayford and others, I would have been taken down many, many times. But I was miraculously rescued. If I told you the level of what happened during these miracles, I think it would inspire you. But I can't tell you. I can't tell you. And it's not because I'm afraid to tell you. It's because it's unwise for me to tell you. But that's why I ask you, and I'm not joking when I say it. If I was to, if I was to tell you why I'm asking for these prayers, etc., you would know. I can't. It would be unwise. Okay, so... If you believe in the message of this ministry, then I need you to be an all-out intercessory prayer warrior for me, family, self, everyone involved in this ministry and Paradise Mountain Church. You need to wage war in the invisible realm on our behalf because we're on the front lines for you. I need you to actively participate in exposing and undoing the rig. You know, I'm quite willing to go to certain of my social media sites, but I find it very strange that I, when I make multiple appeals that, you know, sometimes I don't, I don't see an increase of one person that's registered on the social media site. Not an increase of one person. I know that cannot be true. I've been doing this for decades. I know that's not true. I know it's a product of rigging. I've tested it secretly. Okay, where I've had people I know as a test, not to artificially inflate my numbers, but I have people I know that have different, you know, uh, what do you call it, email addresses, and they sign up as, as followers and watchers and likers and listeners of my social media. And I have them, a number of people do that just as a test, and it doesn't show up. That's proof that I'm being rigged, if I know for a fact that I'm delivering, yes, and I know that there's a certain amount of numbers that have to be inputted, when I know for a fact that a certain number of people have signed on saying they're watching, liking, viewing, listening, my social media sites, and they're doing it over time, and they're doing it at sufficient numbers, purely for the purpose of testing, and I don't see any increase at all numerically, uh, guess what? It's a rigging. On top of that, I've tested other people, and whether they know it or not, they're being rigged. In fact, almost all the true truth tellers I know are being rigged. Okay? 
in the last week, in the last four days, I have tried multiple times to get on, uh, well, I'll just name this one, get on my own Rumble site, Paul McGuire. It blocks me. Every time, it blocks me. So I'm being electronically blocked from even getting to the site. And I've tried to get to the site from multiple laptops, cell phones, in different locations, with different people's names, etc. And I'm still blocked. That's called rigging. Then I tested some of the other people that I know that are tr real truth tellers. And I noticed that, 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 that during the exact same day I was blocked, when I would put in their name, their rumble sites were blocked. You couldn't get to it. You were locked out of it. Why? Because this person tells the truth, and he tells the truth a lot. So you have a choice. The people that are really telling the truth, and I tell the truth in a lot more areas than you're aware of. If the people that are telling the truth are being electronically censored and rigged and electronically marginalized, um, then you know the fix is in. I don't care what kind of reputation they have as being conservative. The proof is in the pudding. So you, are, you, know, you have a choice. You can just ignore it and say it doesn't matter. But don't cry for me, Argentina. That's a bad joke. Don't cry for me, Argentina, when you can't get anybody, even people who are half telling the truth. Because this kind of growth of Orwellian thought police censorship doesn't stay with the bold truth-tellers like myself, others. It's, it's like a pandemic. It will continue to spread, continue to spread, until they'll gobble up anybody who even remotely tells you the truth. And by the way, I can tell you pretty much for certain why I'm being rigged and why I'm being censored. Because when I did my homework and began to check some other people that I know that are truth tellers, they happen to be telling the truth on many of these same categories. And that's why they're, you can't get to their social media or rumble sites, and they're being blocked. So I did a study, and I realized that there are certain subject matters, like, like how much you expose the vax, and others. I'm not going to name them all to you. but they're. There are far more than this, but there's at least 15 categories or subject matters of truth that if you really tell the truth in any one of these 15 areas of truth, you will be rigged, you will be shut down, but it will be done in a sneaky, sneaky, sneaky way that's far less obvious. But it tells you it's rigged. It's rigged. Now, I also happen to know who's rigging it. I'm not going to say it out loud. That would be counterproductive. So I know what subjects, if I talk about certain subjects and tell you the truth, I know I'm going to receive attacks. Some attacks are way beyond what you think they are. That's why I ask you for prayer, for spiritual warfare. It may be a game for people you know. It's not a game for me. Telling the truth is not a game for me. Telling the truth is what every true Christian should be doing. So I need your help in partnering together to spread the truth and tell the truth. And if we unite together, God's Word says we will be victorious. And the way we win the spiritual war, in addition to prayer warfare, etc., 
is when we walk in and obey Jesus Christ's words, love one another, by this are all, will all men know you are my disciples. So let me repeat it. This is God's secret formula, God's secret plan for our victory. If we as ministries, as individual Christians, as communicators, if we endeavor to live by the words of Jesus Christ, which is his commandment to walk in love, when he commands us, Jesus Christ commands us to love one another, by this will all men know that you are my disciples. So if we really love one another, we're going to have the back of one another. I mean, for crying out loud, there are gang members in every city in America, and they're dealing women and girls and drugs and coke and meth and heroin and fentanyl and everything else, okay? But they're also making a lot of money, and they're very hard to take down these gangs. You know why? Because they live by an oath. The gangs in prison and out of prison live by an oath. They watch each other's back. And they don't rat on one another if they don't snitch on one another. Because among gangs and prisons and stuff like that, among criminals, if you snitch, you die. If you rat on somebody, you die. It's their code. It's their oath. Now, and so in effect, in a a kind of distorted way, admittedly it's a distorted parallel, they are, in a distorted way, loving one another. Because they're watching each other's back, not out of spiritual reasons, but out of survival reasons. So how is it that the devil's crowd, how is it that criminals and drug dealers, etc., how is it that they can manage to watch each other's back? How is it that they can manage to stay unified? How is it that they uh, are protecting one another and can stand together? How is it? And then how is it that Christians who claim to know the truth, who claim to be born again. Now, if you claim to be born again, that means your sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And if you claim to be born again, then you would have to be, as a biblical fact, you would have to be filled with the love of God, and you would have to be filled with the Spirit of God, which is love. So every Christian who claims to be born again, if that born-again experience is truly valid, then the love of God is shed abroad in their hearts. That means the love of God is ruling in your heart. Now, my question to you is, if we claim to be Christians, and people cannot see any evidence of the love of God operating and flowing through our heart, don't they have the right to doubt the the, the claims that we make that Jesus is Lord? Don't they have the right to question the validity of our salvation? After all, when they check us out, and they see that we're not loving one another, but we're treating each other worse than the people in the world treat each other, then there's something terribly amiss. Jesus said to us, this is how we win the battle, Jesus said to us, love one another. By this will all men know that you're my disciples. So I go out of my way to love my fellow believers in Jesus Christ, whether I agree with them all the time or not. I look for ways to watch their back and your back. In fact, every time I do this show, and I've been doing this show under different names for 40 years, the primary purpose of this show, besides winning souls to Jesus Christ, is God has called me to watch the back of his people. And if I really love his people, 
I can't fail to blow the trumpet of warning that the enemy wants to destroy them. And so if I really love them, then I'm going to watch their back. I'm going to blow the trumpet, and I'm going to show my love for them in practical ways. So every time you hear this program, it's an extension of my commitment to love one another as Christ loved the church. Yet, as I fight this spiritual battle, and many others do too, I find that many of the, ta- the attacks that I receive are not coming from non-believers. They're coming from people who claim to be born again. I'm not going to name any names, because I'm trying to live by love. And so I would rather suffer uh, rejection and other things than, uh, than uh, violate the law of love that Christ commanded me to love my enemies as myself and to love one another as Christ loved the church. But in terms of being able to reach people and things of that nature, I find that sometimes, not all the time, there are many, many, I would say the majority of Christians that know about me and stuff are watching my back. But there's a significant number of Christians that I know and they know me, and they have made decisions uh, and they operate in such a way that they function as if we were in some kind of competition. I'm not competing with any of them. If they're worried about market share, they can have it. Okay, and I don't blame them for that, by the way. But I find that the greatest attacks that I receive, tragically, have been from Christians who I once thought were my brothers in Christ because our beliefs and, for example, Bible prophecy and other things were so closely allied. But they have used, um, they have used, I'm trying to be very careful, they have used their position and resources, and whether it is done intentionally or not, only God knows, so I'm not judging them, but they've used their resources, etc., to, to functionally block and restrict me and my message. Okay? I'm not going to go any farther. Now, I pray for them. I have no ill will towards them at all, and they know that. I've never said a bad thing about them. I've never even named them, even now. But I'm telling you something. If we, we can't go into the future as the body of Christ interacting with each other in such a, a low level, with such a lack of love. Okay? We have to really love one another, as Christ loved the church. As one brother said to me, we have to, we have to learn how to stick together. Okay? That, that will be our success in the future, learning how to stick together, learning how to love one another. So, I'm not talking just on my behalf. I'm talking on the behalf of all the other Christians in ministry and business and individual Christians and churches, etc., etc., who know exactly what I'm talking about when they find that their spiritual battle is occurring not simply from non-believers, but believers are, 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 whether they realize it or not, are functioning as agents of the adversary to attack them. We need to pray against that, because that represents strongholds sowed by Satan that are designed not to—the bottom line is it's not designed against me or this minister or this ministry or that person or that person. We're not really 
the, the highest object. We're just along the way. When there are attacks at that level, the goal of the demonic powers, like the Great Reset, is to bring down the body of Christ in America and across the world. They're after far, far bigger uh, goals than taking down or, or limiting one minister or one podcaster or one ministry or one author. Or, you know. that's, that's like small change to them. These are globalists. Their game plan is to blacklist Christianity, censor Christianity from every single platform that they can find. And that war is going on now. There is not one person that I know, and it's quite a few, that is a truth teller. And I know many truth tellers. And every one of them have been subjected to the kinds of talks, uh, to the kinds of attacks that I'm alluding to. And every one of them have been attacked financially, or they've been attacked by groups or individuals. Every single one of them, without exception, or they've been kicked off Google or kicked off Facebook. Or, or, or their, their advertisers have been threatened, every one of them. Now, now that's a lot, and you would know all their names, and many of them are my friends, and many of them are your friends. We can't be victorious unless we stand together. And the best way we can stand together is we really got to uh, connect with what Jesus said when he said, love one another by this will all men know that you're my disciples. If we love one another, if we truly love one another, not just fake it, if we truly love one another, guess what happens? We will inevitably be watching one another's back. And if we're loving one another and watching one another's back, guess what is a byproduct of watching one another's back? The byproduct is that in warfare after warfare, spiritually, we will be victorious. You will be victorious. Because if the Christian community decides to make this something they really take seriously, loving one another like Christ loved the church, then we will be in our Father's business, and part of being in our Father's business is learning how to practically watch each other's back. And when we begin to do that, the attacks of the enemy will be pushed back. The day the body of Christ, starting with me, starting with you, starting with all the people that you know, the day the body of Christ and we as individual Christians start to obey Jesus Christ's commandments to love one another as Christ loved the church. The day we begin that is the day that we are going to begin to drive the enemy off the land called America. We will drive the enemy out of the squares of the city, out of government institutions that are anti-Christian. The day that we begin to, to say in our hearts, we're going to love one another as Christ loved the church, and the day we begin to to aggressively watch each other's back is the very same day that the tide of the great spiritual battle will turn. You and I will be agents of the turning of the tide, the great turning of the tide, which will unleash a revival of whatever proportion God deems. And we will drive the enemy out of America. We will break the spiritual cords empowering the great reset. We will drive globalism we will drive the Great Reset. We will drive the globalist elite and the, the occultic powers. We will drive them off the land called America and other lands. But how that happens, and it can happen right now, the beginning of that spiritual, peaceful, law-abiding revolution, the beginning of that can happen right now at this nanosecond. So let's just say this together as a kind of a prayer. Lord, we purpose before you to love one another 
as Christ loved the church. And as such, Lord, we commit to watching each other's back aggressively. So be it, Lord Jesus. We will watch each other's back aggressively. In Jesus' name. So as we do that, you can expect the reverse, a reverse invasion of the Spirit of God. The angelic armies will be released. God's power will be released to drive the enemies of the church, the ministers, and God's people. They will be driven out of the lands in America that they are illegally occupying. Our secret weapon, which we are embarking on today, is loving one another as Christ loved the church. And then more than that, to put it on steroids, more than that, we're going to watch each other's back. And Christians need to be known as a holy people who are wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But we also need to be known as the people that watch each other's back. So if you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Now, if we'll walk in that, God will give us his grace, and we will be able to take America and and nations in the world back. The key is we got to watch each other's back. Help me get this message spread far and wide. This is practical. It's strategic. And I know from my study of history and the Word of God, it is a strategy for complete, utter, total victory. I need your help financially to, to wage this level of warfare and communication. I need you to ask the Lord how much you should give in terms of financial contributions and donations. Whatever God tells you to give, give. I need you to be a prayer warrior and pray, pray in the ways we talked about and wage war in intercessory prayer. And finally, I need you to watch my back and others' backs, and specifically in the area of the rigging of the Internet. It's, they're playing dirty pool. They're cheating. They're lying. And they're, really, and they're trying to destroy us because they're motivated by the spirit of Antichrist. We need to, if we say we love Jesus, then we've got to act on it. We need to watch each other's backs in that practical area. Amen. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit PaulMcGuire.us.